and we're live. Wow, are we getting the same guest as last time? Ah, well, not. That's the whole fun. Well, first of all, happy India Independence Day to all my lovely people there. And let me start off with something which is very, very close to my heart and especially close to my guest's heart. We all know that bullying and ragging during the teen years could lead a child with scars, mental scars, sometimes physical as well. The memories can haunt them forever. Some children take the extreme step to kill themselves. And then there are others like my guest, Dr. Siddharth Gore, who send sweets to their bullies. Before I grab him, let me just share a few words about Dr. Siddharth. Dr. Siddharth Kishore Gore is a PhD in management with a specialization in digital marketing. He completed his MS and MOT, that's Manager of, in, of Technology, from Georgia Tech in Electrical and Computer Engineering, which ranks fourth in the world. He works as a sales professional with over 11 years of experience of working in some of the top IT companies in the world in various roles across marketing, sales, and customer success. He's also been working in the area of personal growth and human development for the past two years. His mission is to create 1 million public speakers globally by 2030. He strongly believes that public speaking is not a sprint, it's a marathon. In order to be a world-class public speaker, you got to be ready to explore the world and share your experiences and perceptions with others. He's a passionate person, empowering his students through his public speaking programs and transformational seminars aimed at shattering the mental blocks and limiting beliefs that prevents his mentees unleash the power of public speaking and be the better versions. He strongly believes that public speaking gives you a platform to share valuable ideas, which according to him is the best way to give back to the society and to make the world a better place. I'm not a public speaking expert. I've always been and shall always continue to be a student of public speaking is what my humble friend says. Some of his achievements include He's been selected as top 
one of the top 250 speakers from more than 40,000 speakers in Super Speakers, the ultimate quest for India's next best motivational speaker. He's been presented with the best presentation at Online International Impromptu Speaking Championship in 2021, first runner at Digital Storytelling Championship 2021, international keynote speaker, hosted several shows on personal and professional, has participated and won several business competitions, and was recently interviewed in a reputed talk show, Story of Hope introverts special with that and one of the fantastic public speakers that i know of let me introduce my dear friend whom i admire for his public speaking skills dr siddharth kishore gore let me get him oh my god and siddharth is blindfolded siddharth can you hear me Yes, loud and clear, Amit. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for welcoming me on your amazing show, impacting so many real lives with real stories, with real struggles and real solutions. Kudos to you, Amit, for this great mission. And it's a pleasure and honor to be a part of this show. And yes, I am blindfolded today. I cannot see anything. So let me know if I'm audible. You are absolutely audible. And my audience is super curious that what is wrong first of all the video didn't show you you were not there when i introduced generally my guests are always there and now when you came man we can't even see you i mean or you cannot see us you're just blindfolded what's going on absolutely first and foremost i want to wish you amit your family and all our amazing family members our fellow indian citizens a very happy 75th independence day on this day of freedom, I want to ask all you amazing people a question. 15th August 1947, after 200 years of rule, of oppression, of bullying us around, the foreign rulers left our country. We thought we were free. But my question to you is, are we actually free? Or have we put a blindfold in front of our eyes to pretend to be free? There are still there bullies out there, two types of bullies out there, the external bullies that lie outside of us, the less dangerous of the two categories that still exist. And of course, I'm here to talk about my story of how I worked, how I struggled to claim my freedom from those bullies in the last 34 years of my life and went from the journey of being bullied to being beautiful. And that's the reason I'm wearing this blindfold in front of you today. Wow. Wow. That's that's really powerful, Siddharth. I mean, you're absolutely right about the fact that you are really, really free. Let me ask you this. You know, I know I'm going to dive into your, uh, you know, how should I put it? Dig in the old grave, right? And I'm, I apologize for that. But, you know, for my audience sake, let's take you back, you know, around 30 years back. And I want you to share what exactly happened with you and what's the bullying that you faced. Thank you so much, Amit, for taking me down memory lane 
And every time I speak about those incidents, I get goosebumps still. So let me take you back to the year 2004, when it was the first time I was staying away from my family. I had got admissions in one of the top colleges for engineering in Pune, and it was the first time I was staying away from my family. I was brought up in a very peaceful and protective environment in a Muslim country with my parents. So it was the first time when I was actually staying away from them. I was really excited. First day of college, you're moved to the hostel. So I was carrying my two bags and I entered my hostel room. So excited that now I have my freedom. I'm going to settle things up as per my wish. There was, there was this pen which my father had gifted me, which I had placed in my favorite shirt pocket. And I entered the room. I was settling my bags there. Suddenly there was a big sound. Tar! And one six foot two, 110 kgs, Godzilla human being of a man entered the room looking at me very furiously. He told me, introduce yourself. And I was taken aback. My brain at that point of time, Amit, was trying to process what should I do next. And very innocently, I asked him, uh, who are you? And he looked back at me even more furiously, came towards me and put a chokehold on my neck and then punched me in my gut. He punched me so hard. I felt as if a part of my soul has come out of my body and wants to go for a stroll in the park that was right in front of my hostel room. He said again, introduce yourself. This time, making his clutch on my neck tighter and with tears rolling down my eyes, with fear, with my body shivering with fear, I told him who I am. Once I finished introducing myself, he gave me a second punch, bam, on my chest, exactly where my pen was. And obviously, the pen cracked. And the ink, the blue ink started spreading on my shirt. That man had literally beaten me blue and black. And then he told me, Siddharth, agar tumne apna khola, if you open your mouth, then God also cannot protect you from me. And saying that, mm. left the room. And Amit, those were one of the fortunate days. Those were some of the lucky days for me. Because every day after that day, I was exposed to more pain, to more trauma. For example, taking a bottle of deodorant and spraying it on your pant zip and then lighting it on fire and then extinguishing oh that fire with punches and kicks playing tug of war but tug of war not with the rope tug of war with the undergarment of the other person other victim who's being bullied in front of you so you pull their undergarments as hard as you can else you will be exposed to physical assault or verbal abuse or being urinated upon. So these were just few of the incidents. And this, the funny part is the name of that person who bullied me for the first time, who ragged me for the first time, the name of that demon was Rishi. And I was so silly, so, so silly that I did not know that I had become the victim of bullying. I had become the victim of ragging. And Amit, even after more than a decade that our university's grants commission has made a blanket ban on all types of ragging today, 
ranging from mild to very severe. Four out of every 10 students, that is 40% of students in various schools and colleges are still being bullied today, are still being ragged today, and only 9% of them speak up. Amit, I was not there in those 9%. I was not there in those 9%. I accepted this bullying. I accepted this ragging during my engineering days because I had the fear of being boycotted. I had the fear, how can I face a bigger and stronger person than myself? I had the fear of being left out. So I accepted it. I accepted my fate as it is and became a victim to this really heinous crime, which I completely do not wish happens on anybody on this planet because it is not the external repercussions that have a lasting impact on you on the victim on the person who's been bullied but it is the internal repercussions on your self-respect on your self-worth on your dignity that goes for a toss and to be very honest amit i'm sure you'll agree with me that in life even everything else is taken away from us the one thing that is our real treasure, our dignity. And I would rather be beaten down again and again, again and again, again and again, than to have anybody take my dignity away. And that was the first incident of bullying, of ragging that I wanted to share with the world on your amazing platform. Wow, wow. I mean, let me, there are a couple of comments I want to share that before I, I speak up. Uh, it This comes from Mani Kandan and he says, great to hear your story, Siddharth, powerful story, of course. And the second mm -hmm. comment comes from Shushant Kumar. He says, Dr. Siddharth, this is very scary incident. You remind me of my engineering college ragging days. It was so traumatic. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's weird, you know, uh, why it's, it's very scary. Let me put it this way. Like, I have not been through such a bullying. Uh, maybe I was fortunate enough, or maybe I was into the other side of the bullies. You know, I was not a bully, but I was not into getting dragged like this. Now, Siddharth, tell me one thing. You know, you've been with your parents for your, like you said, you know, first time you've been uh, away from them. And uh, you said that you come from. Uh, different country than India and you land in India you go you have your both the bags in your hand now you go to the college and you have an exciting life that you assume that you have and the bullying starts and uh, I'm sure there might be many more examples that you would have but how did you sleep in the night were you like terrified that someone is going to kick and come your ass in the night or something like that absolutely Absolutely. Every day was a day which I used to pray that next day, the persons who are bullying me, they have mercy on me. You know, those times in your life when you're so scared that you, you, you do not get the sleep, you have insomnia, whereas you have been always a good sleeper all your lives or you cannot even eat food, you lose your appetite. That was exactly what happened. Yeah. And that impacted being an A grade student that impacted my grades as well. And it became a vicious cycle. I was bullied because of which I couldn't focus on my studies. I couldn't focus on my studies. Therefore, I got poor grades in my first few years of engineering. I got poor grades. So they used to mock me more and bully me more, saying that I'm good for nothing. And I'm an NRI student. 
and I'm only surviving on my parents' monies. And I don't need to worry about anything because my parents have established an empire for me. And this is just something that I'm doing out of adventure or out of fun. So I was bullied even more. I was the apple of the eye of all the seniors. So yes, it did happen that I did not get proper sleep. My health was impacted. My physical and mental well-being was impacted. And at that point of time, what was broken was more than a pen. That was me that was broken. Did you did you thought that you should just end it by probably did that thought of suicide came into your head ever? No. So suicide was never an option. What I did at that point of time is I started observing all the other successful people and I started reading about them. What do they do? What do they do? What do what does Michael Phelps do when he was bullied for having big ears? Or Elon Musk do when he was bullied in South Africa for being a fat kid? Or what did Rihanna do for being called a black lady? Or what did Chris Woods do? Or what did Eminem do? What did all these people do to cope up with the bullies? They were all bullied. And one thing that I found common between all of them is even though they became a victim, they tried to channelize their energies into something else. And I tried my level best to do that. I channelized my energies into swimming because I am a national level swimmer. I tried to vent out all my energies, all my frustrations there, but it still did not help me that much. It still did not remove those nightmares from me because like you rightly mentioned, it had scarred my subconscious mind. So then I started playing violent computer games where I started imagining all the people in front of me in the game as all my oppressors, as all the people who are bullying me. And I used to get satisfaction from killing them, from beating them up into a pulp. And to be very honest, I wanted to beat the living hell out of each and every one of them who were conducting this. This is my honest answer to you. But yes, the thought of suicide never came because my parents had a lot of trust in me. My parents had a lot of confidence in me and they had sent me to do something good in my life. And I couldn't let them down by giving up my life lovely lovely no no that that's really really nice that you know and i the reason i asked this question because uh you know a lot of viewers or somebody who might view because it's it's a it's sort of a fad sometimes as well you know unfortunate thing that you know people just give up all right and that that's one of the reasons why i get guests like you uh, to showcase the rest world and especially the young generation and the parents and others that, hey, you know, with, with the reasonable amount of love and trust, uh, your child can go into something very beautiful and face the hard realities of the world. You, you, you've done that. So that's fantastic. When you said that, you know, you channel this and I'm, I'm really, I was laughing. You cannot see that when you said that you wanted to beat the hell out of them in the video game. I can very well... Uh, that. So now let's move forward. So these, these bullying went on during your college years, right? And you, you okay. somehow managed to finish the education. Yes. Then what happened? Did, did you feel that, did you, were you bullied during your rest of your uh, work life and other places? Did you felt that sort of a bullying or sometimes we call it as a discrimination in a certain manner? Did you feel that? That's a very good Never. question, Amit. 
That's a very good question, Amit. In fact, you know what? We always have the idea of bullying as being bullied in school or colleges. But there is a term that many of us don't know. It's called as adult bullying. You know, all of us, in some form or the other, have faced these adult bullies. Be it in personal relationships. Some of us are bullied from our better halves, from our family members who physically assault or verbally abuse us. They dominate over us. They are the bullies. Maybe, to, you know, I had a boss in India when I started off my career. She used to bully me by threatening me that don't ask too many questions. Put your head down and work. Just shut up and work if you want to keep your job. This is a form of bullying. Then you face bullies on the road when you, by mistake, bump into somebody else or somebody else, some auto rickshaw or a taxi driver, they bump into you and you show hesitance or you show resistance to pay for the catastrophic nuclear damage that you have done to their vehicle. They gang up on you. They bully you. Bullies are everywhere, Amit, everywhere. And we cannot help it. They are always going to be there. And yes, it did continue for the rest of my life. In fact, that brings me to the second category of bullies. I spoke to you about the external bullies, the bullies that lie outside of us. But I wanted to give you an example of what happened after I went to US to pursue my master's of science. And that is the place where I got my freedom. Welcome. The place. Thank you. Thank you. So my eyes are just getting used to the light. But till that time, that is the time I got my true freedom. I'll tell you what exactly happened. I was in the US and I started working as a hostel manager to ensure all the facilities are taken care of to enroll the new students. This was my second job on campus to basically help me get extra monies to manage my expenses. Now, what happened is there were quite a few other students that were in the pipeline for the very same role. And one of them was Aaron. Now, this time, Aaron, again, he was a six foot two. I don't know what's there about bullies. They're always very tall. He was six foot two. He was 110 kgs again. But this time he was very fit. He had only about 2% of body fat. And there was a church right in front of my, my home in the US. And I was coming back home from work one day. And he stopped me. And he told me, Siddharth, you took away my job. So if you know what is good for you, you will quit your job in one week's time. And you know what? He was an American football player. He was a bodybuilder. So if you when he used to breathe, right, we could actually see his muscles contract and you know expand. That is the kind of man he was. And uh, like you said, uh, you know, that is the time my heart started beating so fast. I thought it's going to pop out of my chest. And he told me exactly in one week's time, I'm going to come in front of your home, knock your door and I'm going to ask your answer. Because it should look normal, it should look natural that it's not that under some pressure you quit because he was next in the pipe in, in case I wouldn't have taken up that opportunity. That's what the HR told him. So I was like, um, okay, uh, that's fine. I was nervous. Uh, you know, the like I said, those those times when you're so scared, even thinking over those times makes me scared that you can't sleep at night or you can't eat food. That one week feels like a lifetime. And uh, what I did is I went to the school counselor. 
I told the school counselor, this is the case. Can you help me? She said, until he does not do any damage on you, inflict any damage on you, we cannot help you. How do we know? What evidence do you have that he gave you a threat? He bullied you. I went to the college administration. I got the same answer. Atlanta, the crime rate is pretty high. So our campus was in a very protective environment. So cops used to keep roaming there. So one of the cops I just bumped into, I told him the same case. And you know what he said? He said the same thing. I cannot help you until he makes a move on you. And I was like, excuse me, have you heard something of called as, you know, crime prevention? And if in case you have not heard of crime prevention, come to me, I'll teach you because I will be the first person where the crime will be conducted on. So you can help prevent that. But I did not get support anywhere. I did not get help anywhere. At that moment, I realized that I had no place to run. I had no place to hide that I had to plant my feet in a different way than I did in my engineering days, where I took everything with a pinch of salt. True to his word, one week later, Aaron came. And this time, you know what? He bought a baseball bat with him. And you know, if you've seen any of those um, uh, epic series like Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings, you see, you know, the, the, the hero is standing with a sword, you know, grounded in the soil. He was standing with the baseball bat grounded in the soil and looking at me. And I was trembling, but I tried my level best not to show him that. Because this time I decided that I am going to face my bully. This time I decided that I am not going to let the one thing that bullies depend on to paralyze you, that is your fear, overpower me. This time I said, no matter what the repercussion is, even if my back is against the wall, I am going to have a solid footing. Tell him what I feel, how I feel, and then look at the repercussions later. So my hands were sweating. I came close to him and I told him, looking at his eyes, you know, of course, he was six foot two, I'm five feet nine. Looking at his eyes, I told him, Aaron, I've decided to reject your offer. But before you do anything drastic with that baseball bat that you have carried with you, there are a couple of things that I want to tell you. First is, I've already gone and informed the counselor of the college that if any damage is inflicted on me, it will be upon you. I've also informed the local cops that my life is under threat. And even if you lay a single finger on me, your NFL, the football league career, your sports scholarship on which you're studying here, your future life, your future freedom, your car, he used to drive a Camry at that point of time, your Camry. I've given the number plate of your car that you drive a Camry and the exact number that and uh, where you stay, your address, everything to the cops. And I have also spoken to my family back in India and they have spoken to our, our lawyer that even if a finger is laid on me, he's going to sue everything in your life that you have achieved or you will achieve in your life. And then you will rot in prison the, the entire of your life. This is what I said. My heart was beating very fast. But I looked him in the eye and I told him this. After that day, Aaron never bought to me again. Never ever. And I learned the greatest lesson of my life that when we're dealing with bullies, violence is never the answer. The best way to deal with bullies is with this powerful weapon that you have, our brain. 90% of the things that I told Aaron were not true. But I just said it any which ways. I said it any which ways. And 
every problem in this world can be solved with our brain especially for bullies if we outsmart them we can definitely beat them it doesn't matter how big how tall or strong how broad they are it just doesn't matter you have to outsmart them to outlast them that is what i learned and that is where i realized that the more dangerous bully that exists in all our lives amit is not the one which is outside of us not aaron not rishi it is the bully that is inside of us the bully inside of siddharth that told siddharth that you have to fear rishi and you have to take all the crap that he is doing on you all the nonsense he is doing on you you have to face it or you will die and that bully was the more difficult of the bullies for me to overpower for me to overcome and i learned this in a very simple way which i would like to share all the other people here listening to me if you are undergoing bullying in any form the first step is to acknowledge the bullies that exist in your life whether external or internal once you acknowledge that there is a bully in your life look at those bullies from a third party perspective what i mean is look out look at those bullies from outside especially your inner bullies what i'm trying to say is if there is a storm don't be a part of the storm you will get damaged you will get beaten you may die stay in your house and observe the storm from outside because eventually the storm will subside that is the way you should deal with these bullies and of course like i said stand up to the bullies do not let the fear cripple you do not let the fear paralyze you speak up for yourself stand up for yourself that is what i would like to tell you is the best way to manage the police ma uh, very very interesting let me share a comment first uh so shushant kumar says office bullying these days are very rampant by managers threatening of your job and in most case top management doesn't have the balls to take the action against them i i agree with shushant i agree uh but yeah i mean aaron rishi and it's really scary okay by the way i i'm shorter than you and i can imagine if someone uh, at 62 would come and uh, with 2% body fat i can imagine uh, <laughs> it is uh, yeah it's going to scare the shit of me as well uh, but you're absolutely correct when you said that you know it's the internal bullying and uh, you decided to not to listen to the rishi inside you or the aaron inside you but my question is that within that one week of time you know where i, I understand that you know there are all the folks uh, all those committees and police and everyone decided saying that hey you know what we're going to be reactive and we're not going to be proactive <laughs> uh and probably that could also mean late for you right because one blow on your head can from just you know knock you off there's nobody to even talk to the police later on but after they rejected your plea you know at the time you had to face your bully what came into your head that hey you know what i'm going to stand up like because that's where you realize that you know you have an internal bully of yourself right so what what came why do you do, why do you do that because you've so been experiencing was, so now what changed that's that's what my question is this time what changed is since i 
I realized that I had already made a mistake in my past where I did not do all the steps that I mentioned to all our amazing viewers out there. This time I decided, you know, after watching many of these successful people and how they manage their bullies, both inner and external, what I realized is these bullies, they are so shallow that they make you feel worthless. They make you feel so low in life that you are ugly. You are not intelligent. You're good for nothing. You're dependent on your family and this and that and that. But all these people, how did they succeed? They did a very simple thing. And that is what I did for the next one week. When that person, he knew that I am shorter than him. I'm weaker than him. He knew that I cannot take any action against him. And he used to make fun of my height. He used to make fun of my, my body structure and so on and so forth. And you know, what not? So what I did for that one week, every time I had that fear that should I stand up to this boy? Should I stand up or, you know, should I just give it to him, give it up? You know, my life is at threat. So what I did is I started doing a mirror practice, which Michael Phelps used to do. He used to go in front of the mirror every day and look a little closer, a little harder at himself, at his funny ears. That is, you know, he used to have a paunch belly initially before he became a world-class Olympic swimmer with 29 Olympic gold medals. And he found that one thing, that one ability, that one trait, at least one trait that you love about yourself. And I know it's not an easy task. Some of it, because we are our own critics, we are our hardest critics. And our media, our parents, our education system, our conditioning has basically taught us to be defensive. Or to let go of things, you know. So, and it has taught to be unaccepting of ourselves because they want everything to look perfect. The perfect body, the perfect speech, the perfect looks, the perfect hair. But life is not about being perfect. But yet, they found something good in themselves. So I went and looked in the mirror and I said, I am studying in one of the best colleges in the world. I have got a scholarship. Uh, in spite of having poor grades initially in engineering, I again came back up, got admissions here. My parents have trusted me with their time, energy, effort, everything, and sent me abroad to the US. I'm not doing one degree, but two degrees. I'm a good speaker. I'm a good student. I'm an amazing swimmer. There are so many qualities inside of me. And I'm listening to that guy about who I am. Am I not the expert about myself, about knowing myself? Or do I depend on a bystander or somebody who's looking at me from the outside, a third person who hardly knows me for a few months to judge me and tell me what I'm good at and what I'm not good at? And when I told this to myself for one week, every day, I gathered the strength. I gathered the courage. Even if you would have bought a samurai sword, I would have still given him the same answer that I gave to him. And I think this is a great practice for all those people who face this fear of being bullied. Absolutely, absolutely. No, that's that's really well put across. Tell me, <clears throat> did you spoke to your parents during this time about all this? At that point of time, my parents were going through a financial turmoil, some crisis in my family. Though my parents are like my best friends, but I decided that I do not want to give them any additional stress. And I felt that I am grown up enough now. I am a man now. I, it's time for me to take up ownership of my own life. So it's it's now time for me to 
take care of them. It's been almost 24, 25 years of their life, their sweat, their blood, their money that they have invested in me. Now it's my turn to give back to them. And the only thing that I want to give them is a lot of love and happiness, not more stress. So I decided to keep my mouth shut. But I decided that I'm not going to let history repeat itself. I'm not going to give in to these bullies. In fact, you know, I would like to share a very funny story because we are here to talk about stories. Is that fine with you, Amit? Always. Please go ahead. So, you know, there was a there's a very interesting story that I'd read and I would like to share because it's in this scenario, it fits very well. There was this bus driver and conductor who used to travel in the same route for almost 20 years in a city in India. They were so used to that route that they knew every person that from where they come into the bus and where they get dropped off. Now, one fine day, uh, a Pathan, you know, a tall six foot five man just walks into the bus and he's about to take his seat. And the bus conductor, who is just five feet, two inches, he goes to him and respectfully asks him, uh, Bhai sahab, ticket lenge? Brother, will you buy the ticket? And he's like, Pathan ticket ne leta. Pathan will not take the ticket. <laughs> and everybody, you know, every time they used to see the Pathan, not just the bus conductor and driver, all the passengers used to feel scared. They used to feel the fear of the Pathan. And this continued for three months. And then the conductor started questioning himself that my authority is being tested. Very soon it's going to be the case that every other passenger will say, why should I buy the ticket? When this man, this Pathan who last three months is not buying the ticket. So what the conductor did is he decided to take a vacation of a month. He went and he joined self-defense classes. He learned Taekwondo. He joined uh, English speaking and personality development classes. He did everything in his power to become physically, emotionally fit, strong. And after a month, he came back. And this time he decided, let that Pathan come. I will look him eye in eye and I will make him buy the ticket. Pathan came. This time he looked right in the Pathan's eye and said, take it. Pathan, <laughs> you know, got surprised and said, Aapko kitne bar bola hai? Pathan ticket nahi leta hai. The, how many times I have told you that the Pathan doesn't buy the ticket? With a lot of anger, the conductor said to him, Par Pathan ticket nahi leta? Why is the Pathan not buying the ticket? The Pathan looked at him and said, Lalidi Jan, Shant Hoja. Pathan ticket is not leta because Pathan ke paas all India ka travel pass. Is le Pathan ticket. <laughs> nice. So, nice. So that's the point, you know. Many a times we have these unreasonable fears in our mind, which are never going to come true. Mark Twain himself quotes that he spent 98% of his life solving problems that never existed. They exist just in our mind. They say, right, we are our own bully. So these limiting beliefs, this conditioning, these mental blockages is the one that stopped the conductor from facing the Pathan in the first place. That stopped me from facing Rishi in the first place. And that are stopping many of you who are being victims of bully or ragging today from facing your fears. The fear is just here. So it's very important to let go of these unreasonable fears and to face them like a man. True. And that's true. No, that's how I feel my freedom. Amit. Wow. No, that's that's really amazing. 
that's really really amazing so now let me let me ask you this so how did you because when we introduced when i introduced you when i i know you and like i said you're one of the finest speakers that i've ever known and i'm very glad that uh, you're also my dear friend oh no thank you thank very you. much feeling really likewise let me ask how did you move from your you know work life and all these things being bullied because you know sometimes being bullied you are actually a person who you know shies away from the camera from speaking let alone be getting onto a platform spoke speak to hundreds and thousands of them is like a opposite of you know all the people who been bullied so how did that happen then like you know share your public speaking thing how did you went there and what are you doing these days so it's a very interesting question amit so on the one hand there were two parallel stories that were going hand in hand the one side is an introvert shy kid born up born and brought up in a very protective environment which i already mentioned was bullied in engineering was going through bullying during his masters in the us the other parallel story was i thought i am in the us i am here to study for my masters and as you know amit in all these international institutes it's a credit based system so if you complete a set of credits you get a degree so now you can decide how many credits you want to complete to get a particular degree so what happened at that point of time i thought why don't i do two degrees in the same period of time because i felt any which ways after this i'm going to work then probably get an mba and then you know go to the next level go to a business or a managerial kind of a role so i said why not invest this time in getting one more degree which is more on the management side so i took up one subject which is called as technology ventures and the professor dr david ku he basically used to tell us how we can have our own startups and how we can scale them to the next level he himself was a serial entrepreneur he had founded several companies which used to invent innovative medical devices and then those companies used to be bought over by bigger companies you know like johnson and johnson and uh, all these top medical companies or uh, healthcare companies in the world so in that top in that subject you know he taught us that how we can create business plans and how we can present it effectively so he gave us an opportunity so i started working with a group of international students and i presented a very interesting product and he got really impressed and he called me to his cabin one day and he said so that it's good that you are pursuing and enhancing your technical skills but do you know one thing that you are a very good speaker and do you know something that you will really shine in marketing and sales you have entrepreneurship in your blood i can see that so why don't you do one thing i have launched this next product which is called as pneumonia check which is a non invasive device which helps you diagnose pneumonia within a matter of few minutes which otherwise takes 4 to 5 days to diagnose so it's a simple device you pop into it and it will detect whether you have pneumonia or not otherwise and as you know pneumonia is the number one killer of children under the age of 5 years it kills more children than measles aids malaria swine flu combined so he said you come you take my product and participate in all the business plan competitions throughout the us and let us see how we get the response and that is where my journey of speaking though i had been speaking before i used to do debates speeches and participate in talent competitions because 
my mother was very enterprising lady she always pushed us to learn a lot of poker into a lot of co-curricular activities but yes the platform to speak at such a grand level to speak in front of hundreds and thousands of people effortlessly and confidently started then so when i went all across the us participated in several business plan competitions presenting his products and winning many of them that is when it started and then from there i came back to india because i always wanted to do something in our motherland and he gave me the opportunity to be the exclusive distributor of his innovative devices in india because that is where the market is that is where it will be more useful at that point of time too i went from hospitals to hospitals doctors to doctors pitching the product and just sharpening my skills which i had developed then and then the rest is history because i got pulled into a career profession where my bread and butter is to speak is to persuade is to convince people and many a times using stories i was in mute lovely lovely that's that's pretty interesting i mean when you know that you know and someone specifically identifies it and you know helps you to build that further and helps you to ensure that you know you can actually uh, how should i say capitalize on the skill that you are better at you know already that's that's really good so now so you you are now so what do you do these days you are basically into marketing and sales right yes so everything you know to cut the long story short my designation says i'm a digital transformation advisor but keeping aside the fancy term what i do is to ensure that i keep my customers at the center of everything i do and that they are happy and satisfied that's my day and my the job that keeps running my family that's that's nice that's nice so now tell me about the you know you've been awarded many places recently you've been into the top 250 speakers out of more than 40000 applicants and also you've been uh, awarded with the best presentation online impromptu challenge and uh, many many several awards that you won so how is your journey of public speaking uh, going on and how how did you manage to enter into these areas and uh, your aspirations so my self development journey started about 3 3 and a half years back amit but it gained momentum a year back when i found my mentor i joined a movement which is called as passionpreneur where you can identify your passion and build a business around it and that is when i realized that i am having a very linear life though i am based out of dubai i am having a very comfortable life i earn handsomely but yet i am not fulfilled it's just like everybody else that you have come into this planet you grow up joyfully as kids then you go to college you have a little bit of fun i had a little bit of fun during my college days as well i will not lie to you but i also had this emotional trauma with the bullying so you grow up you then get a job you get married you have kids you buy a house you buy a car you become old you retire and then you die is this a simple linear life that we all are leading today and i never wanted to lead a linear life i wanted to do something special something fulfilling something that i can help make a difference in the society something in which i can give back to the society make a difference in somebody's life and yes like i told you i looked in the mirror and i asked myself what is that one thing that i'm passionate about 
I have the skills of, and I think is something that the market needs. And I found that that is public speaking. That is the one skill that Warren Buffett says that if you have, it increases your market value immediately by 50%. It is the one skill that can help you become a leader. It is the one skill that can help you grow personally and professionally faster than any other skills in your life. So why don't I utilize this skill and help kids and adults alike to become more confident speakers and basically make a mark for myself in this one life that God has given us. And that is how my journey began. Amit. Wow. Wow. That's true. Public speaking indeed can take you from point A to whatever you want to be. It's like being the better version of yourself. Most importantly, it's how you share your ideas and opinions to others in a better way that you know people can relate to it. But that's fantastic. So tell me, Siddharth. What do you do when we say that, okay, so now you, you found your uh, passion in a way, your one thing that you want to do so that you don't have a mundane and a boring life. So how do you impact people? Is it like, do you have a program? Do you have, what, what exactly do you do? So like people who are listening and if they want to connect with you for public speaking, what is it, how they connect with you and what do you do? So basically, I have a program, both virtual and physical. The physical are for the people based out of Dubai. And right now I am running current batches with a couple of young kids. Uh, they are amazing. You know, they are more creative than the adults. And for everybody outside the world, because I've been coaching more than 300 plus people and for everybody else in different parts of the world, I have my virtual programs, my online programs, which last about six weeks. You can definitely connect with me on all social media platforms. If you search by my name, you'll find me. And uh, I have a webinar every month wherein you can join absolutely free and gauge what is it that you'll get to learn over the course of next six weeks. And if you find value in that, you can definitely be a part of this amazing community that I built. My program's name is Speak with Charisma because I feel that everybody has a charisma inside of them that can make others listen to them with a lot of devotion, with full attention and make them your raving fans. It's just a matter of time until you identify your charisma. Sorry, just a moment. I'm just making sure that I write that here and it is there. So everyone knows about it. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Oh, definitely. I want to see what well, I make sure that see the whole idea. Uh, and I believe this. Okay. I believe that the whole idea of this, my show is basically to get people like you who have not only gone through certain challenges in their life, they decided to not give up. Number one, that's amazing. They turned their life and now they are also helping others to change their life. Right. So if anybody watching the show can just get impacted by listening to you and if they want to connect with you, I'll be the happiest person because that's that's like my goal is achieved, you know, so that's my thing. So so that I want to I ask this. We almost at the we almost passed a lot uh, from the tail end of the show, but I love every every minute that we had a word. I want to ask Absolutely. this question. It's a 
Thanks. It's a common question that I ask every all my guests. Mm -hmm. And before that, let me also put a last comment from Sushant Kumar. He says this is very inspiring story. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sushant. Thank you so much. And very well narrated. That's more important as well because many a time stories are good, but it's the narration that takes the story from point A to Z. So, Siddharth, the question is that do you believe that sharing stories can impact people's lives? Wow, Amit, it's really great that you ask this question because I know you are one of the best storytellers that I know. <laughs> and when you ask me this question, uh, it's, it's great because I would like to put my perspective into it. Absolutely, no two ways. Stories definitely impact. I'm sure all of you would have heard the statement that stories sell, facts tell. I repeat, stories sell, facts tell. So one of the most important reasons that you should say or tell stories is because it keeps your listeners hooked. I'm sure today all you listeners were there live in front of us or who listen to this in a recorded format, they would have been hooked because I shared my story. Some of you could even connect with me. Some of you could visualize that story when Rishi was actually beating me blue and black. Some of you could visualize the pain that I was feeling. And yes, I did not add one very important point because you did mention about this, Amit, is yes, I did share a box of sweets to most of the bullies that I could trace from my engineering days last year because my mentor told me that like Sadhguru says pain is inevitable suffering is optional that pain that scar had to be let go of and for that what I did is I sent all those oppressors a box of sweets thanking them showing them gratitude for doing what they did for making me a much stronger person physically and emotionally, including Rishi. And you know what I got back in return from Rishi? I got a new fountain pen with an apology wow. message on it. Wow, beautiful. That closed, the beautiful. Loop. that closed the loop of that scar in my mind. But yes, coming back, coming back to the, you know, whether stories impact or not. So, it helps to keep your listeners hooked. I have asked in my programs, in my webinars, on live audiences, that does it happen to you that you are actually listening to somebody speak, but your mind is somewhere else. You're only passively listening, not actively listening. And 90% of the people raise their hands. Yes, it's happened to us. Which means next time you go on the stage, 90% people are not going to listen to you. So how do you ensure that those 90% people listen to you? The only answer to that is stories. Stories will make like the audience to feel like, okay, tell me more. I want to hear more. Please, what happened next? Next time doesn't matter if it's your boss, your better half, your kids or your friends. If you want people to listen to you, if you want to grab opportunities, if you want to grow in your life, stories will increase the chances of you to do that. In fact, I call my mantras, basis my guru, who calls his mantras, his principles as guru mantras. I call my mantras as karis mantras. And one karis mantra 
that I share with everybody is your story bank. That is the number of stories that you have in your head is equal to your money bank. How much money you will have in your bank. Number two, stories help you to impact decisions. What I mean by that is everybody, Amit, and I'm sure you will agree because you are a champion storyteller. You follow your passion of making other amazing storytellers like yourself. And one thing that you have always told those people is that stories drive the one thing that drives everybody. And that is emotions. Emotions is everything. Everything and anything that we do in our lives is always driven by emotions. For example, you running this show, stories that impact. Maybe the decision you took, you know, I'm sure could have been for n number of reasons. You know, but I know the underlying reason is emotional because you want to impact lives. So anything and everything that we do, we justify that by logic, but the underlying principle is emotion. We are all, all like onions, you know. If we peel the layers by asking ourselves questions, okay, why did I buy the next car? Why should I buy the next car? Why should I buy a new cell phone? If you ask yourself why three times, you reach down to the inner kernel of the onion, the core of the onion, and you'll realize the answer is emotion. So the point is, humans are driven by emotions. And when you tell a story, it activates the subconscious part of your mind where emotions are stored. Rest of the time is the conscious part of your brain. Well, we work with logic. But when we activate the subconscious mind of your brain, you generate amazing hormones in your body, which make sure that people want to listen to you more. And that helps you to persuade more, to influence more, to motivate more. And that helps you to grow in both your personal and professional lives. And that is the exact reason, Amit, and I'm sure you have a son. When you put him to bed, you don't tell him bedtime facts, but bedtime stories. <laughs> that's that's very well said, Sita. That's very well said. True. Absolutely true. Now, you beautifully explained it. And I, I don't want to share anything much on top of it because I want to leave it at there, the cachet that you left with the bedtime story and not the bedtime facts. I love that. I really loved it. Fantastic. Fantastic. Siddha, it's it, a pleasure to get you on the show. And I loved it. And I'm sure by looking at the chats, and I know all the audiences who are listening and will watch, and I'm going to have many snippets that I'm going to cut and also put across soon. Uh, but it's truly amazing that you're a fantastic, fantastic public speaker. And I'm sure you're going to go and impact millions and billions of lives and make amazing, amazing public speakers and, you know, uh, enrich their lives. And of course, the ones they are going to go and speak and listen to. So you're fantastic. Keep on the good work, my friend. Thank you. And uh, with that, do you have any message or anything that you want to convey last to the to my lovely audience here? Because we are talking about stories, I would like to end with a story. Amit. There was once a king and he had a daughter of marriageable age. He wanted to get the best groom for her. So he held something that we call a swayamvar, where the bride gets to choose her groom. But he did not want it to be a very simple swayamvar. He wanted to throw some challenge in. Do you know what he did? 
he called all the prince of all the adjoining kingdoms. He called all the men, even if they were not princes or had royal blood, to participate in a challenge, which was very simple. They had to swim from one side of a lake to the other. <laughs> the king and his daughter were on the other side, on the one bank of the lake, and all the contenders were on the other side of the lake. Now, it was not as easy as it sounds, because that lake was infested with crocodiles. Nobody had the daring to jump in that water. Three hours passed, six hours passed, ten hours passed, nobody jumped into that lake because they all feared their life. And suddenly, a splash sound came. And one man jumped into the water and bypassed all the crocodiles and came to the other side. The king was really happy. The princess was really happy. The king went and hugged him and said, congratulations, son. You are now the next ruler of this kingdom. And I'm going to give you half of my kingdom apart from my daughter's hand. Son, you do not look happy to me. Why is that? The, the man looked at the king and said, uh, I think there is some misunderstanding here. I, I did not want to marry your daughter. My question to you is, uh, king, who did who pushed me into the water? Who pushed me into the water? And that is what we all have in life. Many times in life, we depend on external forces to push us. Outside forces to push us the extrinsic forces to push us, to grow in life, to transform in life. But the greatest person who can push you is the intrinsic person, the intrinsic force. Now, you can decide whether that is a bully who suppresses you, who oppresses you to grow, or it's the angel who will help you to grow, who will push you to grow, to desire heights of success. Over to you, Amit. Thank you. Sorry, I was on mute. Lovely, lovely, Siddharth. Really, really lovely. With that, we are at the end of my 51st episode with my lovely guest, Dr. Siddharth Kishore Gore. And if you want to connect with him, there's the link in all the platforms. Please go ahead, ping him, connect with him, connect with him and follow him. Ensure that you also connect with him on LinkedIn and on YouTube and all the platforms. And if you want to connect with me to share another your story or someone you know who can who wants to share their story, just ping and I'll get back to you. With that, I wish all of you people again, once again, happy India Independence Day. And uh, Siddharth, thank you very much for coming on to the show and blessing my show with such, such, such lovely stories and so many positive aspects. And uh, God bless you. you. And uh, you for all the lovely people here in Melbourne, it's around 8.30 p.m., so good night. For people in India, it's evening. And for uh, Siddharth, it's noon, I guess, right? Or Absolutely. Yeah. Enjoy your rest of your day and enjoy your rest of the evening and have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the Sunday. Take care, everyone. God bless and bye-bye.